Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all the blessings and gifts that you shower upon us, our lives, our possessions, our skills and talents and passions. We ask you to bless these gifts that we brought before you today, signs of our gratitude for all that you've given us. May you use these gifts to further your kingdom in this place and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's good news for us today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter, beginning with verse 15. Jesus said, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. <coughs> if the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is God's good news for us today. Can we say amen? Amen. Sisters and brothers, grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I just tell you how wonderful it is to be here with you all today? It's been a bit of a journey to get here, not only in terms of miles from North Dakota to Oregon, but in a lot of prayer and, and hard work uh, in this congregation and... Uh, we're here, and it's wonderful to be with you. And so great to be here today worshiping with you and sharing God's good news. So you might imagine my frustration when I picked up the Bible and opened it up to Matthew's Gospel, to the next story in Matthew's Gospel following what you've been hearing from week to week, and I get this text. <laughs> really, God? Really? This is what you want me to preach on? You know I'm new there, right? They don't really know me yet. And you want me to preach about what happens when one member of the church sins against another member? Really? Because it sounds like law, doesn't it? It doesn't really sound like a gospel text. It sounds more like law. Would you agree? Yeah? And, you know, interestingly enough, churches have actually used this text as kind of a, a playbook or a guideline for excommunication. The steps that you need to follow before you can kick somebody out the door from your community. On first glance, this looks like law. But in deeper reading, I've discovered that exactly the opposite is true. In fact, this text is very much about grace. This is a gospel text in the full sense of the word because it is about reconciliation. 
It's about restoration of community. The first clue is putting it in context, something that we should all do anytime we pick up a story from the Bible. We should know in the context in which it was written. And in this case, it's good to look a little bit before and a little bit after. And I'm not sure if Pastor Jim Flaxbart preached on this last week when he was here, but the story immediately before this text you heard today is about Jesus describing God as a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them strays. And what does God do? God could say, 99's good. <laughs> that one was kind of a troublemaker anyway, strayed a lot, and didn't really contribute a lot to the community, so I think we're good with 99. God leverages all of God's resources toward finding the one lost sheep reaching out and restoring that one back into the community, bringing reconciliation and wholeness to the community. That's on the front end. On the back end of today's Gospel text is a wonderful story about Peter asking a question. Now, I have to tell you, I love Peter. Because Peter is so earnest. He so wants to get it right. He so wants to do the right thing. He wants to be the, you know, the model disciple. But he's always messing up. I can relate. <laughs> but he asks great questions. And in this case, after listening to Jesus, he says, Okay, so Jesus, if another member of the church sins against me, then I must forgive and I really think he thinks he's being very generous here. He says, Do I have to I can forgive seven times, right? Seven times. Six, not enough. Eight, too much. Seven's good. And Jesus says, No, Peter. Not seven. Seventy times seven is how many times you must forgive. Now, for you accountants in the room, <laughs> Jesus isn't saying 490. So I think it's 7 times 70, if I did my math right. So you get to 491, you're done. Sorry. No, because numbers in the Bible have symbolic value, and 7 is no different. 7 means completeness, wholeness. And so what he's really saying is, Peter, you're never going to stop forgiving if you're going to follow me. Because that's what we do. That's how we roll. Seventy times seven. So here we have this amazing story of unlimited forgiveness on one side. On the other side, this, an, another amazing story of unlimited resources being leveraged to find the one lost sheep. And smack dab in the middle is this story that almost doesn't seem to fit. Except that it does. Because Jesus is addressing a hypothetical situation of what happens when one church member sins against another church member. I say hypothetical because that never happened in North Dakota. I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen here in Oregon, right? As if. Because what happens when somebody sins against you? 
And perhaps we should spend a little time talking about what sin means. Because what we think of as sin is very different from what the people that Jesus was talking to at the time understood sin to be. In those times, there were sinners and righteous. Unclean, clean. These people were in, these people were out. And sin had to do with following the law. If you followed all the law, the dietary laws, and all these things, then you were righteous, and you were clean, and you were in. But if you didn't do those things, then you were out. You were unclean. You were a sinner. But we've come to understand sin in a very different way these days, thanks to Jesus and Paul. We began to understand that sin has to do with relationship. Our walk with God is about relationship. It's our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. If, if that wasn't the case, then why would Jesus say the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself? Why would he say that? Our faith walk is about being in community and being in relationship. And sin is when those things break down. When we separate ourselves, put up walls and barriers between ourselves and God, ourselves and other people, and even ourselves and who we are truly called to be, our true selves, the ones God created us to be. It's about separation. So Jesus asked this question, what happens if one person chooses to begin the process of breaking down relationship with another. And we have options, right, when that happens. If somebody offends you or hurts your feelings or sins against you in the church, you have lots of different ways you can go with that, right? You could say, that's it. You're done. You're out of here. I don't want to see you again. That's one option. The other one is that you could just not say anything. Just hold it inside. You know where it kind of festers and boils and burns and builds up grudges you just sit on it and just until it finally explodes. Another option is to not talk to that person but to talk to everybody else, right? Out in the parking lot or by email or on the phone. So you're not going to believe what Brent did to me. Yes, will. <laughs> Jesus doesn't choose any of those options. Jesus says, if somebody sins against you, go and talk to that person. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just go when the two of you are alone and talk about it. Hey, Brent, you really, you really hurt my feelings when you said that. Sad face. Sad face. But then we have an opportunity to have a conversation, right? Yes. And you can repent and I can forgive, and we can work it out, and all's good, and we restore relationship, we restore community. Now, sometimes people can be stubborn, and they don't want to hear uh, that, and they're very, very stern about what they did, and, and, and they're not, not willing to repent. And so then maybe it's a good idea to bring along a few friends, kind of have a little mini intervention, so to speak, and say, you know... We really want, uh, we, we're, we're all here together to be one in Christ, and, and this, this issue between the two of you is kind of causing walls and divisions, and how can we work this out so that we can continue to do the work we're called to do 
But then, of course, sometimes that doesn't work. And so we invite the entire embrace of the ecclesia, the church, the gathered people of God, to restore community, health, and wholeness. Here's the kicker. It's my favorite part. Jesus goes on to say that if none of that works, then let that one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now I know what you're thinking. That means you're done. You're out of here. But who did Jesus reach out to? What was Matthew before he became a disciple? Gentiles and tax collectors. On first reading, let that one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector means that's it, you're done, end of story. But on second reading, it could mean a fresh start. Start from scratch. Let's figure out how we can reach out and love this person back into the community. Now, what does this have to do with you and with me today and in the days to come? I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you've got your bulletin with you, I want you to turn to the front porch question. We're going to start with the first question. I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and take just a minute or two to discuss that first question with the person or persons sitting next to you. Go ahead, I'm going to take a water break. All right, I'm going to do what's one of my favorite things to do, which is to get conversation started and then stop it. Sorry, but we don't have a lot of time. So kind of bring it to a close, if you would. What does this text have to do with you and with me today and in the days to come? If you noticed, those questions had to do with intention. Why we do the things we do. And sometimes those intentions are misunderstood. But here's the thing. Why are we gathered here today? Why are we a church? Why are we community of Christ Church in Hillsboro, Oregon? Because guess what? We're not here for each other. We're not here for the building. We're not here just for wonderful music. We are here for the sake of the gospel. We are here for the sake of the world. Because I want you to know that there's a whole mess of folks outside these walls who don't yet know that they are loved. Who don't yet know that their lives matter. That their lives have meaning and purpose. That's why we gather here to remind ourselves who we are and whose we are. The other stuff, caring for one another, having great worship and music, that's all great. But ultimately that's not why we are here. Our intentions for gathering together is for the sake of the gospel and for the world.
Did I mention that I'm new? <laughs> you don't know me very well. And I don't know you very well. We have just barely scratched the surface of this new relationship, this new community that we are forming together. And you know what? I'm going to make mistakes. Now, I know the call team told you I wouldn't, but I will. <laughs> I'm going to mess up. I'm going to step on toes. I'm occasionally going to offend. I might even hurt your feelings from time to time. And you know what? You will probably do the same to me. The question is, and that's only because we're human, right? That's, that's what it means to be broken. The question is, what are we going to do about it? If I offend you, you have options. You can say, that's it, you're done. Thanks for playing. Or you can stuff it inside and let it resentment and grudges build. Or you can talk about me out in the parking lot, or on the email, or texting, or on the phone. Or, or, you can come talk to me. And you can say, you know what? What you said hurt my feelings. You offended me. And we have the opportunity. I hope you won't do that right after worship, by the way. <laughs> At least wait a day. But then we have the opportunity to have conversation. We have the opportunity to have reconciliation, repentance, and forgiveness. All of those things that lead toward restoration of relationship and community. Which is what we're called to. Jesus didn't say, where one person is, I'm there. I'm sure he is, but he didn't say that. He emphasized where two or three are gathered. We are created to live in community and relationship. And when we gather together in Jesus' name, He is here, wherever we are. We tap into holy, divine, unlimited power to transform the world with love and compassion and forgiveness. So the next time I offend you, or you offend me, or one of you offends the other, let us heed Jesus' words. To speak directly and honestly with one another. To restore community and relationship. Because I'm here to tell you, we have our work cut out for us. I am so excited to see what God has in store for us in the days to come. I can't wait. But we need to be focused on who we are and whose we are. Remembering that when we gather together, Jesus is there. So that we can go out into that world and let people know 
so that they can hear the good news that we've heard. So that they know that they're loved as we are loved. Amen. Let's sing.